Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Performance Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to like the video and subscribe for future content. For more information about our one-on-one coaching and other training or nutrition options, visit giftedperformance.com. Our newest feature, the Gifted Express, offers premium programming for bodybuilders, powerlifters, Olympic weightlifters, and lifestyle clients for only $30 a month. Enjoy the video. We'll see you on the next one. And as always, stay gifted. Welcome back. Another Q&A episode of the GPP Gifted Performance Podcast, giving you knowledge, giving you practical takeaways, and allowing you the opportunity to improve your own general physical preparedness. Three familiar faces here. We're answering questions. We're not going to mince any words, doing intros or any stuff like that. We're just going to jump right into the questions. And our first question today comes from at Spada Fitness. Dom, his first name is eluding me right now. Is it Anthony? Yes. Okay, Anthony. We're answering your question first. All right. He asks, uh, how do you guys like to teach people to work out? I think that's his name. Yeah. (laughs) If your name's like Chester, we're sorry. Uh, How do you guys like to teach people to work out with intent and effort? So effort, you know. There's ways to quantify efforts, relative intensities, absolute intensities, proximity to failure, things like that. Intent is a word that gets thrown around a lot. You know, it's a very guru-y kind of word that people like to use. You know, I teach my clients to lift with intent. When you guys hear that, how do you how do you even define that? Before we answer the question, we have to define what is intent to you guys when it comes to like resistance training. I would say so I'll tell you surface level wh- what it sounds like to me, because honestly, I'm not 100% sure on this definition, but surface level, it sounds like to me internal cueing. Um, but I, I could probably include like internal and external cueing, maybe, you know, it sounds it sounds like you're, you're focusing on the kind of like MMC, like the the muscle that you're training. Is, it, is that how people are using it and defining it? I think so. I would say so. Jay, Dom. It's a made up word. It is. Um, yeah. For for that training application, for sure. Like even when I look at the definition of intent, it's like intention or purpose. Result. Yeah, I think it's being very focused on what you're doing, like in the mental and physical manner. So that's you're why like, I'd probably include external cueing, but it's probably largely internal. Do you think it's more like uh, you're not messing around on your phone? You're just like, I'm in here. I'm, I'm here to train maybe? No. Mean? I think it means that like if they perform a set, how are you ensuring that they are performing a set with effort and intent intent to yeah. grow and stimulate the muscle? So gotcha. training with intent. Uh, so basically not being present in, in what and very focused in what you're doing. Right. Because I have gotten videos from um, certain clients and, uh, you know, and I've watched. (laughs) No. Um, Okay. I'll I'll, I'll just say uh, usually from from females. Right. Um, (laughs) And I know. Right. I didn't want to drop that. But usually usually it is where where I'm getting a video and I can see there's they're like looking around in the middle of a set. So like when people are doing that and it's not even like, Oh, I'm going to look at myself real quick and then back at what I'm doing, you know, they're, they're 
like actually wandering, it's like, okay, you're not really present right now and focused on what you're doing. Um, and then it almost sees like, I can see it on their face. I'm like, you're more worried about your face looking stupid right now. And you looking like you're trying than actually like trying and being present for what you're doing. Stop focus. Be present. (laughs) That's a good one. I usually make, if I like get through people's training and I'm like, there's no way this was a zero or a one or even a two. Like I could just tell by reps, like if their reps aren't falling, you're not training to actually a one RIR. That's a good point. Like next time we come around, I'll be like, Hey, videotape your one RIR set. They'll do it and then I'll break the news and break the hearts of them and we'll tell them that's probably a four or a five. That's a good point, Dom. I never even, cause that's a good, that kind of defines intent to me. I think I, when I think of like mind muscle connection and also, uh, that, you know, if I look at somebody's sheet and they're like, oh, I did, uh, all my sets were 12, 12, 12 and 12 and it's an RIR of two. And I'm like, what? Like the, that, yeah. that does, yeah. well, that, that, cl- uh, definitely helps and clears up effort, right? Because we can see that in the RIR and we can see that in their video, but we can't see intent in the video. And sometimes you can kind of see it in training, like if they are clearly not present, but yeah, like intent is more too, of an like internal. If, like an internal thing, but like you could see like if they have intention during their workout, if they're making notes on mm-hmm. their sheet, like, oh, I felt this my last set, you know, they're a bit more in tune with what they're doing. The best is, is like sometimes I'll see a sheet and like they have like the RIRs already filled out for the week, like one 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 two 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 two, and I was like, oh, this is just not going the way I planned. I, I think the way that intent is sort of used uh, currently within the fitness community is that you, your focus just isn't in, in moving the weight from A to B, right? Yeah, focusing on point. focusing on the mind muscle connection, focusing on using appropriate technique, like using good technique. Yeah, but I, I do think it can be kind of hard to separate out intent and effort, other than kind of some of the stuff that you guys mentioned. But how do you guys how, how do you guys teach that? Like, what are the teaching moments with clients, other than what we just talked about for teaching intent? Is it all video? Is it all reviewing the data? Is it a conversation about what training should feel like? What is it? I think I think one way we can as a coach teach that is vocalizing how we do it and then they can kind of look at how we do it. Um, so I post my training a lot just so that they can see like how I'm expecting them to train, how I'm expecting them to be focused in their training. Uh, I think that's a good way just leading by example. Um, and then obviously the things we talked about, I think are, are all really good ways like even during prep, like I constantly posted my cardio just so people could see like, hey, I'm doing my cardio with intent and effort. I'm not lackadaisically doing it. Like these are things that I expect from you guys if I'm doing them now. Yeah, I try to get into, uh, <clears throat> especially as I've gotten older, God, that sounds terrible, but, you know, trying to tap more into that mindset piece, kind of like, you know, if I see a video and it looks like, someone who's kind of wandering around with their eyes or doesn't really look like they're into it as much. I'll, you know, think of, I'll ask them some questions like what, what was going through your head while you're doing that set? And then sometimes they, they might give you some nonsense answer that doesn't make a lot of sense. And sometimes they'll be honest, like, listen, I had a rough day at work. Blah, 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 blah. So then you can kind of get into what's going on there. But, um, usually I try to tap into like, listen, this is the only thing that you have to do is just get through this set. You're only going to get one shot. 
at this. Well, you're not going to get one shot, but you get one shot at this particular set. If the effort isn't there and the intent isn't there, then you kind of wasted your time a little bit. And especially if you're, you know, a pre-contest or even in some instances, if you're an off-season competitor, that's where it matters the most. Um, and even if you're, you know, a strength and power athlete or something like that, that's where, you know, that practice will allow you to manifest uh, the best performance on the day of the game. So it's, you know, kind of impress the idea that it's, this is the, this is the performance that's leading into your performance. Yeah. Very eight mile of you so, right there. You only get one shot. Yep. That's it. Mom's spaghetti. So, <laughs> so the, the thing Stop with intent, which I, I definitely want to make sure that people know this is just a made up fucking word. Um, but the thing with intent is uh, in order for us to have any kind of internal cueing, like physically we have to set ourselves up to move in a way that activates the musculature optimally. Right. And so what I like to do and start with, like in my training under a lot of movements, especially more complex movements, I type in a lot of cueing. Your elbow should move in this direction. You know, think of pushing this towards this body part or towards the ground or towards the wall or whatever, towards your hip. Um, turn, supinate your hand, pronate your hand. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, do this with your knees, point whatever this way. And, uh, then sometimes I'll even like send video of myself moving like Dom and I, uh, have a shared client. And I recorded a video of like, all right, move your hand this way. Just try and contract your upper chest. Notice which direction that, that your arm naturally moves in and stuff like that video helps. So giving people, I think the start there is giving people the correct external cueing and form and technique mo uh, modifications. And then the internal cueing, you know, kind of comes later, you know, when you know how to contract a certain muscle and you can feel it and, you know, get your pumps and all that stuff. Then as far as effort, um, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of being okay with low efforts right early in training. But the, the sort of caveat there is that we are overloading over time and training eventually gets hard. So I, I really don't mind if uh, training is easy or easy for a while, but as long as we're adding reps, we're adding load, things like that, eventually it'll get really hard. And so, you know, and also like you guys said, getting that video and eventually if we reach a point where I'm like, okay, we've had enough easy training. You're clearly just not about working hard. Then, Hey, you, you need to work harder. You have more reps left. Um, yeah. I think one of my, one of my main issues with the intent argument is like the cringe Lord hot take that you see from people where it's like, it's not about intensity. It's not about frequency. It's not about weight on the bar. It's not about sets and reps. It's, it's always about intent. Like you have to have the intent to grow before everything else. It's like, who, what the fuck are you, what are you talking about? Like we, that is all of our intent when we go into the gym to do that. That is an agreed upon starting point. And I just see people share that all the time. It's like, Ugh, shut up. Why are you like this? It's this participation <laughs> world we live in now. Intent to grow. Like, oh, big fucking 200 IQ five head shit right there. You have to have the intent to grow before you do. 
If your muscle contracted against the load, it moved the load. Your muscle got the stimulation. Yeah, but what if what, what if your mindset wasn't there, bro? What if you didn't have that internal like intent to grow? It yeah. starts with the mind. It makes its way down to the muscle. And I, I, yeah, so I'm not going to call it. I'm going to call it internal cueing. Like there is some research to suggest it can be useful. Um, and particularly with maybe single joint movements or small muscles or Schoenfeld did a study and that's not even a joke. That's not even a joke. Cause they're yeah. that study he actually did. was from he Schoenfeld. He did. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely some practical use there. And I think that there is something to be said about people who make progress and people, people who are focused and take things seriously. Right. Uh, but absolutely not. Yeah. It's not like, uh, yeah, that's not a- we we would for sure get sued if we made a T-shirt that said Schoenfeld did a study. Right. If we tried <laughs> not, to like I mean, maybe if we spelled his name wrong, what oh, if we no. asked him, I'm sure he's we'd be like the hey. only Schoenfeld in the world. It's true. Yeah, that's true. true. But he's the only one that's done the study. All the of study. Them. You know, we can make that shirt and be 100 percent fine. It's because right. it's true. He did the study. Yeah, he did. Yeah, we're not <laughs> falsifying anything. It's true. All right. You did all our of ne- them. Our next question comes from uh, the Demotracheus Daddy, the Demo Daddy himself. Don. 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 Don the Demo Daddy. <laughs> that's a better. That's a better Instagram name for you. I'll let you steal that one. Uh, it comes from at Odd Lifts Demo. He says over fifty. Jason, that's training me. to keep my. <laughs> <laughs> Training to keep muscle more prominent than actually building new. So I think the question is rooted around over the age of 50, what kind of training would you do to maintain muscle as opposed to building new muscle? You got to dance with who brung you, dude. You got to stick with the good old basics that built it. What built it will maintain it. That's my uh, I think he's asking like what's more important and like can you build new muscle the most important thing is intent the most important thing is not falling down at that age (laughs) so so don was a a really good power lifter uh he had some yeah i think he had over 2k total at one point um and now he you know gives gave that up his shoulders are beat up his knees and stuff so like he's trying to figure out how he could train now for more maintenance, bodybuilding purposes, things like that. He's done some bodybuilding shows too, but um, I think that's what he's trying to get at. Like, is there like if I'm should I be focusing on trying to keep my muscle or trying to build new muscle? Yeah, I, I, so I kind of feel like can, a good answer. You can start with like a, a do you want to start with like a basic needs analysis here for an individual like this? I think this is a good well, little case study off, right over here. the age of 50, you're fighting time and like just natural sarcopenia that could be happening. So like anybody over that age needs to be mindful of their protein intake just generally because they'll naturally start to lose muscle. They should get their endocrine system checked because they probably would need some sort of replacement therapy. Um, and that is probably what would be key factors in even maintaining muscle at that point. Building muscle after that fact, then you're looking into, you know, what other 
ways we can try to get the system back to where it would be like in a spot to actually build stuff. To my knowledge, there's plenty of research that shows that individuals over the age of 50 can build muscle, but a lot of that is going from sedentary. So it's like sedentary elderly, and I'm talking about 60 and up here. I'm not calling 50 elderly. 50 is far from elderly. I'll be there before we know it. Um, Elderly folks, like 60, 70, building muscle. Um, It's all relative to the starting point. Exactly. It's all going to be relative to that starting point. So Don, his starting point is probably significantly, I mean, three standard deviations removed from the mean compared to who this research was done on. So is that kind of the starting point of like, are we just trying to maintain or is there a possibility for someone who maybe had a history in powerlifting to build some muscle later on? in Theoretically, I think there's a way to build muscle through hormone manipulation. Theoretically. Advanced sports supplementation. But what Enhancing about responsibly? But what about if Hashtag. someone has, let's just say, a, a person is, uh, they've trained up until the age of fifty, but it's sucked. It's just not been very good. You know, are they have they hit their genetic ceiling, or if they were to switch to a some programming that made a little bit more sense, that was progressive, you know, they're tracking their lifts, things like that. I think they're could be a possibility to make some progress at 50 plus years old. But again, you're kind of fighting time a little bit. Yeah. I think there's always room to make some progress if you've had major flaws and or holes and gaps to fill in terms of nutrition recovery and training for sure. Um, But yeah, if you're, you're over muscled or very heavily muscled going into your fifties at that point, um, you probably are largely just hanging on to, to what you have, fighting to hang on to what you have. And, and some people look at that and they're like, oh, well, what's the point even? I've actually had somebody say that to me like, oh, man, it's ever since you told me after this age, you're kind of just getting a steady decrease and you're just training to, to maintain what you have. Why would I even do it? Well, the rate you lose it at if you stop training and you stop being physically active is absurd. So, and and I think we can all find examples too of people who continue training into like old age. They still look pretty good. You can still look pretty good. You you know, you you might not be, um, you know, competing as a super heavy at 60 or 70 years old or whatever, but you can still look pretty good and maintain a lot. And it's important for your health and your quality of life, you know? I mean, I get uh, it. I'm sorry. I was listening to, gosh, I forgot, or maybe I read something and it was, you know, that, that argument of, you know, after you get to a certain age, you just can't get away with certain things like, oh, you can do this. But once you get to this age, you can't really do it anymore. And I think, God, I'm trying to find, uh, trying to dig through my own stupid brain, but I believe it was a study. It, it might've been in China. Can we say China on the podcast? Wow. I think so. Can we say yeah, very carefully? You get like three, you get three of them and you've already used two. So be careful. All right. So, uh, there's a large country that may or may not rule the the entire rest of the world, but I believe that's where the study was. I believe that's where it was, but they were testing, uh, metabolic components of people as they age. And it turned out like you really don't lose a lot of that metabolic, your, uh, your metabolic capacity as you get older, it kind of basically stays the same. Until you hit like 70 and that's when things get real 
strange there. And I think that's kind of expected. Like once you hit 70, not necessarily like you're like, this is it, but you'd probably have to assume just based off of life expectancy of a human being, once you hit 70, things may get a little bit tough. So I think you can continue to make some progress or at least maintain progress. Um, I know in the drug free community, there's, that's where you kind of hit your peak is like in your mid forties, you know, one of my favorite bodybuilders of all time. And just because he's just a nice guy, Marshall Johnson, he had taken off like, I think seven or eight years. Like he started competing late in life. Then he took off seven or eight years and he came back. I think he was like 48 when he started again. And then he was beating people into his fifties. Uh, Jeff Alberts from 3DMJ. I think he's 52 years old or something like that. So I think that at least from visually looking at pictures of those guys, if they've maintained, if not made some progress. Absolutely, dude. And like, well, those guys nasty. Yeah. (laughs) People have to remember that. Like when you spend two decades, three decades training, like you're creating adaptations that even though you can atrophy very quickly, like they don't just go away. And so like, yeah, you can largely maintain a lot of your muscle. If you, if you keep training, um, into the, I, I, what do you call that? Mid, mid life, mid middle age. Is that, is that around 50, 40, 50 middle age? Yeah. I think average yeah. life expectancy in the eighties ish. Uh, I think so. Well, uh, um, man, I'm there. Fuck. You've made it. You've made uh, it to the halfway point. Make sure to uh, save your progress so you can restart <laughs> at this checkpoint if you'd like. So how would you actually go about structuring? Oh, there is one thing. Oh, there was one thing I wanted to throw out first. Um, Is that uh, there and you guys can back me up on this. There there is research to kind of show that you maintain muscle. Well, I mean, this is just a given. You maintain muscle a lot better. uh, And I believe you can even build muscle a little better with higher rates of physical activity through an entire day. Right. So that I think that that's something to consider too, is like, as you get older, sit on your ass less. That's a good yeah. point. I think yeah. that's one of the bigger contributors to what Jay was talking about, how like 70 is kind of where that metabolic fall off is. If you control for all the other variables that occur when people start to reach though, they start to move around less. They don't lift weights anymore. Their diet yeah. goes to shit. Like and those are the real contributors to metabolic down or, or I don't know if I want to say that, but metabolic downregulation as life goes along. And there's a, there's a lack of interest in food as you get older. So that's the other thing. So your, your, your hunger goes down. So then your appetite. So the thought of eating like one gram per pound of protein is like, ah, I'm 70. I got a lot of other stuff to to concern myself with. (laughs) I've got knitting. I've got reruns of like, uh, you know, the people's court or whatever. I got stuff to do. So general hospital. Yeah. 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 Part of my master's, I did a part on sarcopenia and challenging the RDA for intake of protein because of that. And it was like most of most of the stuff I found was uh, like what Jason said, like they don't have the like they're satiated a lot longer. They're, they don't find the need to have to eat more. So like overall protein intake goes down. And then on top of that, they're more inactive most of them retiring from jobs, not working as much. They're not as active as much. So that's where like, aside from like hormonal things, uh, those were two of the biggest contributing factors to like sped up, um, 
sarcopenia. So what are those big pieces uh, that you want to have in place for someone's training program who might be hitting this milestone, hitting that halfway point, that 50 years of age? Where would you start on their training program? Um, I think I'd probably look at <clears throat> what's worked in the past to see what they're doing over the course. Like, kind of ask that question, you know, when you were at your peak, what were you doing? And sometimes you'll get some nonsense. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it kind of gives you a really good idea of where to start. And I almost feel like, and I can attest to this as I've gotten older, it's almost like I need less volume than I did when I was younger, just because I feel like, and it could be just because now it's, it might be better volume. When I was younger, it was just a bunch of wacky shit. Like you just do drop sets on everything and that's how you got there. So, uh, you know, that could be a little bit of is kind of start on the lower end and then kind of work your way from there. There, I, I think that's interesting that you said the need for less volume, right? Because the first thing that jumps out in my mind is a natural, like if you're, you're at the sort of upper end of the most amount of muscle you're ever going to really have, like is there a point to kill yourself with a, a lot of volume? We, we know that we can already maintain with a lot less volume than we need before, like in terms of hypertrophy. And we also can still probably progress strength with a lot less volume than what typically bo uh, bodybuilders use. Right. So we still can still feel like we're having productive training and still have largely productive training with lesser volume. That, that was just sort of like one of, one of my first thoughts in terms of like needing less volume. But we, I think we have another aspect maybe you consider, right? Is, isn't there some research showing that um, elderly individuals, and I know 50 isn't elderly, but as you get older, maybe there's some anabolic resistance, then that maybe protein intake and training dose may have to increase if you're well-trained? Well, I think with like a sedentary, like as they get more sedentary, they'll probably accumulate a little more body fat they could develop more insulin resistance. So they might not be as responsive to like some of those hormones that are involved in growth. Yeah. I, I don't know what the reason is for the anabolic resistance or potential anabolic resistance. I just know I've seen it uh, cited and talked about at least with protein intake. I want to say training dose, but I could be totally wrong. But either way, like if it is a brand new individual to training, I mean, it is wise to start them off at the lower end of recommendations because, I mean, as with anything, if you pick the uh, some weird number, you know, uh, too high or, you know, just randomly, it's like, well, if that didn't work, where do we go? I don't really know. But if you start on the low end um, and you're like, ah, I think we could optimize these outcomes a bit. Well, there's only one direction to go. It's up a little bit. <laughs> when I think about what you just said, Paul, I think from like, uh, <clears throat> you know, me, I always put my shitty evolutionary biologist hat on. And I think as you get older, hormone levels change. And, you know, a portion of the mechanism that uh, attributes, you know, muscle gain is hormonal. So hypothetically, if you're, if, <laughs> if reproduction is no longer sort of, on the table for you once to, once you get to a certain age, there's kind of no need to really move around your skeleton quite as much, right? Because that's like the whole entire sort of goal of the species is to reproduce. So it almost, like you said, there maybe there probably is some sort of strange threshold as we get older where, you know, that's about as good as it's going to get. 
um, as far as it goes to like muscle protein synthesis, just because reproductive processes are also sort of downregulated. Your body's like, it, this is the end. This is it. There's, <laughs> there's, like, no, there's nothing left. But then you got these That's old the dudes. They're still having kids. Die. Yeah, you get these old dudes still having kids at like sixty and seventy. So who knows? And you got the you got the highest rate of incidence of HIV in the world is found in a lot of these like uh, retirement communities. So Jay, I don't know if I don't know if your theory holds up to the average retirement community. There's some ripping because now now we got now we got Viagra and all all the special pharmaceuticals. TRT plus Viagra equals one fantastic potluck. And you're locked Denise's in a building with a bunch of other other just old every, everybody's got nothing digging to do in all day. on Denise's souffle. <laughs> Get in there. Yeah. When you uh, when you do start to age, you do see a shift in goals for a lot of individuals. You know, um, early on, it's like let's be as jacked as we possibly can, let's be as strong as we possibly can, and then you age a little bit, and you're like, fuck, man, like I don't want to die in ten years. Let's shift over the goal of my training to longevity. Does that play any role in how you would structure someone's training plan? Are you going to shift the focus over to maybe some cardiovascular training, some flexibility work in there, some stability work? Um, or is it really still going to depend on the client's goals themselves? Probably client's goals. Um, uh, and... and- I want to rewind a little bit to the original question of where would we start? And a lot of what I like to do now is figuring out what somebody's already doing. Right. So if I picked up somebody at whatever age, it doesn't matter what age they are. I don't just give them a step count. I'm like, Hey, record your steps for me for these next couple of weeks. Right. And then we, we move from there, you know, whatever you're going to be doing in training, you know, uh, you know, with a uh, younger individual with um, like lofty physique goals, I may um, already have a certain number of days and a certain amount of volume that I throw at them. But for somebody else that was maybe in this age bracket or older, I'm like, hey, let's just do a little more than what you're doing and maybe shift the focus of what you're doing just a little bit, you know, and then gradually work up from there. But yeah, no, I mean, they're probably, I in terms of like the, the like what their training consists of, I mean, I, I would largely personally base that off of like what their current capacity is, you know, like if they've, they've never trained at all and, and don't know how to do like a really good, like back squat or something like, yeah, we're probably going to lean towards like machines. I might, you know, see how their form looks on a goblet squat. Like I may not give them the same training, you know, um, and then eventually maybe work them towards more complex movements if they have the ability, more technical movements and, you know, like unilateral stuff and stuff that may require a little more balance over time, but definitely not right, right off the jump in every circumstance. I think about, uh, there's sort of a, <clears throat> you know, it's pretty accepted in the literature that there's a, there's a correlation to lower body strength and balance and stability and morbidity. So you got to figure as you get older, we always joke around, like you don't want to fall and break your hip, but that's literally an issue as people age because they don't have the lower body strength or the stability to just walk or walk upstairs. So I think, again, 50 is not old and that's probably not a concern at 50, but somewhere between say 50 and 60 is where those things probably need to be addressed. You know, can you balance on one foot for an extended period of time? Can you balance on one foot with load for an extended period of time? Um, 
you know, and cardiovascular stuff, you know, as we, not even as we age, just throughout our life in general, cardiovascular health is pretty important. So if they've had none of that, I'd probably put some of that stuff in there, but I definitely think, uh, you know, single leg stuff, stability, all those things are probably going to come more in, into play as, as opposed to someone that's just, you know, I just want to get jacked and get on a bodybuilding stage. Makes perfect sense to me. All right. Let's get this last question in the books here. I just swapped that on you guys. Prince Disney. It was going to be your question, but we swapped it because that one is honestly like a full episode worth of conversation right there. That's a long one. So the next one comes from, oh shit. We did this last time. I said it was Enrique Iglesias. It's not Enrique. It's Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin wrote the song and then Dom was like, yo, I know Ricky Martin. He was at my wedding or some, some shit like that. I was like, oh, you know, Ricky we and I went to high school together or something. Um, so at Livin' La Via Loca uh, says, what is your favorite carb to fill up on? Not flavor, but calories to fullness ratio. Like the fullness of the the carb? I think easy Like making you feel full, low. I think. Mm. Oh, I thought it was like... Okay, maybe like fill up for a show. No, he's he's not a competitor at all. Uh, so is he just thinking just like low? I don't know if he wants to get full or not get full. Like, um, like how I maybe calories to fullness ratio. So so the most satiating, the most. I think so. I think that's yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what, potato, bro. (laughs) I tell you what, it's not. I'll tell you what it's not. It's not fucking when you blend up zucchini and put it in oats. Because that I tried many times and it didn't do shit for me. That's zucchini o- Zotes? Nah, that wasn't it, boss. No, nah, that doesn't even sound like it's it. I've never even heard of that. And I can tell you that that's definitely not it. Wait, I'm really confused about it. Not flavor, but calories to fullness ratio. I th- yeah. Least I think, amount uh, of calories uh, volume, makes you feel the fullest. Volume. Yeah. Volume. Well, we know a boiled white potato is the most satiating food on the planet. But true. are we talking about satiating here? Are we talking about, like, well, how do we define fullness? Are we talking, like, stomach stretch reflex, like, pure volume? Or, or are we talking about makes like, you feel full? Or it sucks so bad that you're just like, I can't, I don't even want to eat any more of these. Yeah, that's the boiled white potato. <laughs> <laughs> so it could be boiled white potato and no, no condiments allowed, right? No salt, no pepper, nothing. I think cream of rice is probably up there. Cream of rice is decent. Cream of rice is really? cream of cream of wheat. Those right? are interesting ones because they're so Grits. low on fiber. That, I feel like they're so low voluminous. Like I feel like it just runs through me. It's like uh, pre-chewed rice. It, it's <laughs> like Paul's a baby bird, and someone. Just, yeah, it is pre-chewed like, rice. <laughs> <laughs> kind so, of is. Yeah. Um, I think full. I think a lot of like like vegetables that are super high in insoluble fiber would do a good job of this. They got very few calories and they just, if you eat enough of them, you kind of feel like your stomach's going to explode. And I'm going to say it peas and carrots. <laughs> peas are I don't know about peas and carrots. Peas and carrots are higher in calories. So what I like to do when I'm dieting hard, um, because I, I don't like to switch to largely potato because they fill me up in the immediate, but for some reason I get hungrier way faster than with something like rice, but rice doesn't have the volume component. So I will uh, start chopping up either spinach or iceberg lettuce and mixing it into my um, chicken and rice or whatever. Um, Pumpkin 
and like squashes are really good for that. Spaghetti. You, how do you make them taste? Spaghetti good? squash. Four hundred grams of pumpkin is only like ten yeah, grams. Yeah, but of how do you make a canned pumpkin taste good? Dude, cinnamon, nutmeg, stevia. I don't Splenda, know. Splenda, make pumpkin Splenda. Have you done it? Have you tried? <laughs> yeah, it was disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's pretty I've gross. Tried. It's not. Dude, I've, I've done it, that during. Everybody thinks Damn it, the now same we're thing. back on the pumpkin conversation. Everybody you see what you did, the Ricky same Martin, thing, dude. Everybody thinks the same thing. They're like, oh, I'm going to make this taste like pumpkin pie. And then you're like, there's no amount of shit I can put it. How do you make pumpkin pie? And then you start like Googling a recipe or something like because butter. you can't put enough shit it, like <laughs> diet bodybuilder shit in it to make it taste like, like pumpkin uh, pie. Like, uh, or like baked acorn squash. Acorn but like nobody has time to sit and fucking bake a squash for two hours. <laughs> you can make all that shit in the microwave, Dom. Speed <laughs> the process up. Spaghetti, spaghetti squash, squash is, good. is legit. Yeah, it's legit. You can There's make it. Those, you can uh, make that kind of like sweet too. You can put cinnamon and Splenda on it. Make like a sweet spaghetti squash, a dessert spaghetti. I'm if you will. Zero My calories orders. have never gotten that low to the point where I had. I'm like listening to you guys. I'm like, I've never had to do. <laughs> Mister, uh, twenty five thousand steps a day. I'm Jay, like, we take like four hundred uh, steps a day. We sit behind our desks all yeah, day. I don't even think day. I'm at a thousand yet. Twelve hundred. I professionally <laughs> exercise two times. What a day. are those uh, low calorie noodles called? Zoodles? Like oh, those make my butt oh, those sad. Mushrooms? Those make my butt so mushrooms. Sad. Did I pick I up a packet them. of They're those? And I was rubbery. just like, nah, son. Dude, the first iteration of those, you would cut it open and it just smell like fish. I don't yeah. think they why, smell like that anymore. Why, why is there so much water in the packet with them? Why are they like suspended know. in juice? It's, it's like jelly. Know, dude, like, dude you shit them out because you can't even digest them. <laughs> yeah, it's just straight fiber. Um, yeah, here's a good one. Here's a good one. Have you guys ever had Ezekiel cereal? Uh, like Ezekiel when I'm bread starving, yeah, I don't Ezekiel mind it. Bread. It just tastes like hard, crunchy Ezekiel bread. I wouldn't oh. eat it outside of dieting hard. But oh, while God, dieting with some trivia, has, I can do it. That has to be up there with the boiled potato. Like, and but the boiled potato doesn't like knock your teeth out. This is you like chipping like, your teeth, yeah. so that makes you want to stop eating. You know that was a freak accident. Like somebody toasted the bread way too long. And they're like, "How the fuck am I going to eat this?" No, someone left like, it on their patio for like three years, and then like rolled over it with like a I don't even know their car, and they're like, "Oh no, I forgot to pick up food." I was. It's always in the frozen shit. section, so that maybe that's what happens if you take it out of the freezer and just Not, leave it in a box. It uh, just turns into the cereal. I, like Ezekiel bread is kind of good. Like it's kind of it's yeah, it kind of is kind of good. good, especially when you're dieting. Like I roll with the solid. have you had the English muffins? English muffins are solid. Yeah, those I are solid. I haven't fucked with them, dude. Yeah, the, uh, how about rice cakes? Rice cakes dude, are pretty good. Get rice- the fuck out! That's <laughs> no, no, not hold a on, filling hold on, food. Hold on, hold on, hold on, because hold on, I see where you're going. Because rice cakes have like a hidden element to them where they like cut up the top of your mouth, and that makes you want to stop eating. I like rice cakes. Okay. They're good. They're not a good diet a food. That's <laughs> like being like, yeah, I eat pop tarts when I'm suffering. I like fucking. This is the same amount of fullness. Maybe. What about even fruit? More. What about fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. Fruit's good. Like strawberries are good. Apples. Berries are soft. Like yeah, 200 oranges, grams of berries, berries with a meal will uh, fill you up a good bit. But don't get it twisted and go for the bananas because bananas will run oh, you bananas up quick. Are small. Mangoes like will run you up quick. Like mangoes, two, like, pineapples, bananas, those like, all run you up pretty fast. Apples are medium. Like yeah, apples grams are of strawberries between. is nothing. Strawberries are probably the highest. Watermelon's pretty solid, dude. Oh yeah, watermelon's solid. Delicious. Yeah. I like watermelon goes down quick. Mm, I like the does, apple because you got to chew on it for a while. Isn't yeah, there some but, sort of link between like 
that peptide YY in the stomach and like the amount that you chew, like chewing your food, like stimulates that, like feeling full sooner where if you like chew more you feel full sooner yeah i think that's why they say like you should chew your food x amount of times before swallowing it someone sent me an exit oh, there's from a time the component precision the precision nutrition certification that says like you should chew your food like 60 times before swallowing fuck that oh, holy that shit i'd be here all steps. day that is precision but, I mean, though there, there's also very precise there's also there's a time component between like eating the food and until you feel satiated too, you know, but like shit, I forgot. I was like, oh, with watermelon, I mean, dude, like 300 grams of watermelon is like not that many carbs at all. There's no. a lot of water, not a lot of melon. Is watermelon the best melon? <clears throat> Depends on uh, who you I ask. like honeydew. Honeydew is all right. I'm genetically predisposed to saying that watermelon is the most delicious fruit. Hey, because we're 40 it minutes is. in. Jay, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> oh, grapes are a tough one. Let's uh, go. Cherries aren't bad. Cherries are solid. Cherries yeah. are solid. Pits. I don't know. It's too much. It's a lot of work. I feel yeah, like I'm going to choke on one of those pits. Yeah, Pit, fuck the grapes pits slow with you down. Seeds. You don't swallow fuck the grapes pit, with Jay. seeds, right? Really? Yeah. You got a yeah. pea shooter booty. <laughs> Katie's like, what are you doing in there, Jay? I'm having my alone time. Leave me alone. <laughs> Oh, pasta is a good one. What kind of pasta? If you're not dieting. Oh, yeah, if you're not dieting. Have you guys ever had that black bean pasta? I haven't been. I have a client eating edamame pasta now. You know what pisses me off? She's vegan, and it's a way to get protein in. But she said it's super filling, and it's like 19 grams of fiber per serving. Oh, my Lord. Is edamame the little tiny balls? Like the the ones that come in like a... it's like a almost, bean that you almost soy lost sauce. it. <laughs> I almost lost it on Kyle oh, because uh, I think he wanted to like switch his uh, like on his meal plan um, the like pasta to high protein pasta, and I was like, "Look, man, it's like one or two grams of protein a serving. No, pasta it's not. Is high protein. No, it's not, dude. That yes, high protein pasta. If you get the right brand, what you, do you can mean? get like it's literally two grams, grams more." No, like I've seen grams. some brands over at Publix. I'll send you a picture of it when I find it. It's like 18 grams of protein. It's like a whey protein shake inside of the pasta. No, that's not. Dude, her, her, her edamame, like mung bean pasta, is 22 <laughs> grams That's that's for, that's for like two or three servings, though. That's for like three servings or two and a half or something. How do you know, Paul? You're talking on your ass. I've, You've never I've had mung bean, soybean, edamame pasta. Because I picked up boxes of pasta that were like 22 grams of protein. Edamame and then sounds I turn it around. Korean, but that doesn't make you an expert on it out of the gate. you got to do your research, dog. I think it's Japanese. Couscous. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, couscous. couscous. The rice couscous so nice they named it twice. Yeah. Bulgur wheat is pretty good. What is that? Cracked bulgur wheat. I feel like you it's just like that uh, expand. Uh, here, I'm gonna try to find it. I'd imagine quinoa is good, but I don't eat it because it just comes out of my butthole. It's yeah, it's real life. high in fiber. Like I eat that and it just <laughs> right through. Yeah. I'm just I keeping quinoa, out quinoa. Quinoa I throw in with like couscous. It's like uh, they're the, the same in my mind. Pasta. Oh, here we go. We're sh- we're, sc- <laughs> we're screen sharing <laughs> pictures of bulgur wheat. Looks like a. Uh, Looks like oatmeal and like couscous had a baby. I think it's just big hot. I think it's just bigger. Uh, now it's couscous. just a picture of me. Oh no! Was- I think it's. I think it's like 
what cream of wheat is broken down from. So it's like so chewed it's up, chewed up wheat. rice. It's, it's like chaff. chewed up wheat. It's the chaff. <laughs> you separated the wheat from the chaff. All right. So here, here's the thing. Things that you make smaller are not more filling. I, I just have to throw that out here. And also things that you pull all the water out of and eat dry are not more filling. Dried right? fruits. <laughs> Dried fruits. So rice cakes, fuck those off the table, right? Rice cakes are great. You know what? I I'm going to enjoy my 10 rice cakes right now after this. <laughs> 10? 10? I only eat rice cakes during prep. It's just like as soon as it's like, okay, I'm prepping. Just immediately yeah, buy a bunch of caramel rice cakes. But you have 400 grams of carbs to fuck That's off true. with. It's a valid argument. <laughs> why, why backstage does everyone go with rice cakes? Like why is that just the, the bodybuilder backstage Because bodybuilders are dumb as fuck, dude. <laughs> It's true. Why? They're super high glycemic. It's easy They're to transport. Easy to carry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I could see that. Could Have see you that. guys ever run out of food backstage? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I've done Tampa that Bay. Tampa Bay Classic 2015. Uh, men's Open Bodybuilding didn't go on for finals until like 1:15 a.m. Wow. <laughs> and they were backstage losing their minds because everyone was out of food. I, I did the team universe and I ran Do out of food. Do you have any rice cakes? Like Do you have any honey? Afternoon. And I met yeah, like guys tonguing down a jar of honey, <laughs> a jug of honey. Uh, all right. There's your most filling carbs for you. I don't know if that was helpful at all. We got but way off. Track actually, there. it came from us. So it was most certainly helpful. Uh, any closing statements for the people? Folks, rice cakes are fantastic. No matter what Paul tells you. They're tasty. They can be, especially when you're hungry. I don't hate rice cakes. Progress. Progress. We're heading in the right direction. I don't hate them. I You're do like them. Uh, They're Jay? just not a good diet food. Canned pumpkin. Yay or nay? I'm out. I'm out Big on the nay. canned pumpkin. Big nay. Because I've had pumpkin pie, and it tastes nothing like that. So, Dom, that? We, we heard him all podcast. What, what's Char- There he is. He knew I, I was about to talk about it. I don't know what he's doing, dude. <laughs> what's, what's, I haven't- Char- what's Charlie's favorite There's car? probably a plastic bag blowing in the wind or something what's what's charlie's favorite people food his favorite people food um he likes egg whites and uh cream cheese (laughs) (laughs) he had egg whites this morning i make him a little bit of egg whites every morning he's so sophisticated he's like i'll have my egg whites and my cream cheese please i give my dogs my eggshells after i crack the egg i'm like here you can have the shell no egg really yeah I guess that's better than me feeding Boo my scabs. I thought it was. I just he loves Christina. Christina's a fan because if I don't feed them to the dogs, I just put them back in the carton. Boo hears me picking a scab from across the room, and he comes running, and he's like, "Oh, that's for me. I know what I want to eat." So gross. All right, I'm gonna go get beaten by Jimmy because she's currently staring at me like I did something wrong. You know about the scabs. All right, folks, that's gonna conclude our episode here. We will see you on the next one. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, do all that stuff that pushes up up, up in the algorithm so that we can get famous. We love you. In the meantime, before we see you again, stay gifted. Paul, this is, please. This is for you, Tom. Oh, <laughs> yikes.